Welcome Community Radio in the heart of Shakespeare country. For the community, by the community, in the community. Nice. Welcome Radio presents the Vocable Hour. Poems and prose from our hearts to yours. With Ali Croker, Fiona Gulech and Danny Mazevich. Broadcasting every Monday evening from 6 till 7. Well, hi there everybody. And it's an absolute joy to be presenting another, co-presenting another vocable hour. And uh, first of all, I'm just going to say hello to everybody who's uh, in the beautiful new studio that uh, Peter has has managed to summon up from, it seems, nowhere. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous community radio space that has been accessed here. And we're no longer in Foundation House, but we're here in this lovely space. So uh, one of the things that we're going to be doing is to, uh, celebrating through our, um, through our, our poetry and our music and our art today. So uh, we're going to say a quick hello to uh, Ali. Hello. And to Kat. Hello. And David. Hello. And to Lindsay. Hello. And of course, to the maestro Peter himself, who is, mm. who is as ever, uh, on the poop deck, if I, if I might say. <laughs> this could be a title for a whole new show, couldn't it? That's worrying, because I'm right next to him. Yes. <laughs> on the poop deck with, with Peter. Um, and we're going to begin with Lindsay. So, Lindsay Morgan. Hello. Hello. Thank you for appearing on our new, the first edition of Vocable Hour from the new poop deck, as it were. It's a pleasure. Well, it's, we don't often have anybody who's singing live for us. In fact, I think this is the first time we've had a, a live sing, a live singer. But Lindsay, first of all, let's, let's just talk about the work that you are inspired by. Tell us a little, if you would, about how you got into this uh, and... and Listeners, I'm going to not, I won't be able to describe the beautiful artwork that is on Lindsay's website, but I do encourage you to, to have a look at uh, Lindsay Morgan White Whitting, Whiting? Whitting, yeah. Whitting.co.uk, which will no doubt put in the show notes, or I will on my YouTube channel, and because the artwork on here is just absolutely amazing, and so is your singing also, and as I say, we're going to come back to that. So, tell us a little bit about how you got into this uh, uh, amazing world and what inspires you? Gosh, that's a really big question. <laughs> thank you, Graeme. Thank you for having me on. I think it's just been part of my blood My from a child. Um, I lived in a very creative house. My mum was a singer, amongst other things, and my brother wrote songs, my sister wrote songs, and it was just something that always inspired us. And we were lucky that my my mum used to perform in, you know, um, amateur theatre, and mm. it was just a a lovely place to be. So we were always really encouraged to express ourselves mm. through music, mm. writing, and and art. Really, I think I felt like I was quite um quite an awkward child, and um, not awkward as in stubborn or <laughs> awful, but just awkward socially. I think really so I draw and drawing sort of would just open up other worlds really so that's how I started uh, I did my first degree you know and a foundation my first degree and then I just went on this kind of journey of sometimes I was singing um, sometimes I was making art and it wasn't really until recently when I did my masters at Hereford that they really got me to dig deep and uh, express these personal challenges mm. through music, and that became then visual as well. <laughs> and and you 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 draw, you do ceramics, you do you do. It seems from your website, you do absolutely everything: <laughs> well. uh, textile and what you you uh, beautifully call uh, mixed media, print, and so on. Do you want to tell us about perhaps something you're working on at the moment that you're really, uh, it's exciting you? Uh Well, drawing is the core of everything that I do. So whether I'm painting or whether I'm making textile prints, um, the drawing will be really important. Mm. And I love teaching drawing as well. Mm. So that has a kind of a very visceral feel for me. And then because obviously the language of words actually comes from drawing, 
that mm. all interlinks really mm. the whole idea if you think that you know somebody might come to me and say oh i can't draw and then if you think about you writing in freehand mm. you know it's just How another extension mm. Mm. of of writing um i've gone off your question i'm sorry well i think i think let's hear some of your work okay. let's hear some of your okay. song work i think to begin with and Thank then we'll you. get back into uh, some of the gorgeous work that you produced thank you that's very kind so what are you going to sing for us i'm going to sing uh the song that's actually a video on my website and it's called open book and it became the this particular song became the the backbone if you like of all the visual work that i made through mixed media and ceramics as you've said but the words so they came to me the song came to me and then i illustrated this is a book and then I made the whole book out of ceramics. So it became a big three-dimensional book, an installation. And then the video, um, I drew the video. Um, so there gosh, we go. Gosh, <laughs> There we go. Stage is yours. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, this is Open Book. stretch before me now you are gone The birds wait for me to wake up so I can carry on The birds wait for me to wake up so I can hear their song Hoping every heart, hoping every breath, hoping heaven knows. Hoping every day, hoping every star, hoping that you're close. Scribbles across my pages when we went wrong mm-hmm. I pray that the angels get you They take you home I pray that the angels get you They bring you home Hoping every heart, hoping every breath, hoping heaven knows. Hoping every day, hoping every star, hoping that you'll close. Hoping every breath, hoping every step that we take, that we take. This thing is bigger than all of us So big that I cannot see Our hearts are bursting to keep you close But we gotta let you go Hoping every heart Hoping every word that I write Hoping every breath, hoping every step that I take. I am an open book, have done, and you have written me, but now I write myself. Hoping every line, hoping 
you are super, super talented. Thank we all you. we all think that, don't we, everybody? Yes, there's, wow, a, there's a chorus you. of agreement. Yeah, that was a beautiful <laughs> song, Lindsay. No. I'm sure it is, <laughs> but you uh, you sang it beautifully, and you've written it so beautifully as well, and and, and you're and you play it beautifully. That's very very moving. I imagine you. By the way, I imagine you're not doing this for publicity. You're doing this just to to, to share. But I imagine your work is available on iTunes. Is it? Can one get your get your material Spotify or something like that? Um, no, I'm not very good at all of that. At the, ah, mo- <laughs> okay. at the moment, the you can listen to Open Book on the on my website, yes. and I'm actually making a new album at the moment, oh, which really? is a collection of songs, some old that I've reworked, um, but a lot of new work that I've made in the last three or four years and I'm recording at Rhythm Studio with Paul uh, there who's incredibly multi-talented and um, yeah so I'm really enjoying that process. Well we and also we'll be able to hear your that song again on the playback I don't know if we have a playback facility anymore, but we're, we're aiming for one on this show but but please help uh, if you can if, if there's anybody out there who knows how to publicize these the singing even more uh, please, uh, please get, uh, please contact Lindsay. Tell us, Lindsay, about that song a little. Now, what I what I read from it was hope and and uh, the central importance of uh, creativity in life. Really, is that? But that, that's what I read. What did you? What was behind that song for you? It was very much an exploration of grief and how it was feeling. Um, we had a very sudden and unexpected death in the family and I think that sometimes when you're facing grief that is so deep, for me there was a numbness and then after the numbness I I thought it would be a really good idea to do a master's. <laughs> and that introduced me really to a whole other world of thinking. And I think it was really timely within what we were facing as a family. And Open Book is literally about that exploration of grief and it being a cyclical thing, but it right. also being you go from, you know, acceptance and anger and your your ping pong falling back you know mm, in between mm, mm. ping-ponging I should say back mm. between all these emotions so it's got a verse one uh, verse two verse three so verse one is very much about that feeling of you just completely and utterly numb you know you're an open book but you're completely blank you don't know where you're going and verse two is you know the regret the anger so scribbles across my pages mm. where we went wrong and then the third is kind of further down the line you know you're you're beginning to accept interjected with hope as you say so mm. it was hope really and the the glimmer of hope i mm. think that is so important as as human beings you know mm. if you haven't got a hope and for me you're right creativity brings hope to my life mm. and um, kept me going because I am a life lover mm-hmm. so it was yeah an exploration of grief and and throughout that um, David Gauntland I don't know if you've heard of David Gauntland he inspired me through his book Making is Connecting mm. so when you're connecting to whether it be acting music art conversation when you're connecting in that moment mm. you're part of the process and that then i think helps you through so yeah and helps others too i i guess do you perform do you perform these your songs for others do you do you perform live and so on and uh, uh, you've got an event on your website you yeah. Uh, art in Penalt, is that a penalt? Is that yeah. I probably pronounced that wrong, I'm so no, sorry. No, you know, I was gonna that that is a that is an art exhibition that I'm in, um, which I'm very pleased to be in. And if anybody wants to go, uh, it's down in Monmouth at Art in Penalt, please do look it up and um I'm excited about that. I'll be demonstrating there how to make the clay bird heads there that I make and the bird heads are part of the installation in the book. Well, let's get on to the bird here, as you know, and the other artwork. And, and, and really, the best I can do is to, once again, is to, is to uh, mention to our listeners, if you can go to lindsaymorganwitting.co.uk, you'll see what I'm seeing at this very moment, which are these stunning, stunning pieces of uh, sculpture. And Well, they look like sculpture, but anyway, the best thing is for you to describe what, what you do. 
the best way I can describe them is that they look to me like the kind of artifacts that one finds, I don't find it because I don't do any archaeology, but sometimes you you see in museums um, uh, beautiful pieces of almost deific sculpture that have been found from prehistory and uh, usually associated with kind of femininity and, and, and birth and so on. Um, and they strike me in that way, you know, they look as if they're... I hope this is... It's a description, I don't mean it to be a compliment nor anything else, but they look about 50,000 years old. <laughs> they look as if they come from somewhere very, very deep in the human heart, you know, and, and they achieve a timelessness, I think, while suggesting to us that we're part of a much longer and older tradition of the expression of human emotion. Oh, where's the question in that? <laughs> no, I'm so sorry, Lindsay. I was just to, loving listening could, to you. Perhaps you could describe, <laughs> would you want to describe the process of perhaps creating one of these and how you do it and what you feel while you're doing it and how long it takes you? Mm, so all of them started from the drawings that I made for the actual textile book that I made to illustrate the story of Open Book. Um, some of the faces and some of the um, characters that you're looking at actually became the book. So I was sculpting the girl, if you like, in the story at different stages of her grief. So the figure with the, the figure looking down on the far left there, looking down, that was verse two, you know, where she's actually sitting oh, up and she's right. contemplating what's happened there is the figure looking upwards and that's verse three so I I made the character from the story of open book mm. and then the birds because throughout my initial period when I was deeply grieving um, nature as always but was very important to me and it was in the middle of lockdown so that connection with animals, with nature, mm. was really important. And um, I looked at um, Heronius Bosch and ah. his paintings, and I drew from the paintings, and then I introduced those characters into the story. And the first, um, the first chorus uh, is the birds wait for me to wake up so I can sing their song. So it, it was literally, um, obviously, as we all experienced lockdown, it was a very kind of, um, what's the, oh, it was almost like you came back into your own body. Oh, you know, we're wow. so used to, wow. you know, being out and being busy yes, in lockdown, yes, sort yes, of, yes, in a way, grounded yes. you back again to, to you and your body. And yeah. it, nature was very important within all of that. And, and uh, one of the f that helps to explain really what was behind the next question, which is about the uh, the interrelation of your of the different media that you that you've got here. So that again, listeners, if I may, if I may ask you to rely on my rather f feeble descriptions, there are busts of what seem to me to be almost, like I say, uh, almost sort of uh, deific characters, but on their bodies themselves are written lines from your song, yeah. I guess, having heard your song now. Mm -hmm. um, is there, so that's, is there a relationship that... Yeah, so I was trying to there? explore how to express the... I wanted the lyrics of the song to be part of the sculpture, so um, I did a lot of experimenting and researching and thought about how I can get the message across because it's really difficult getting messages across because obviously we all have a, a different meaning behind a word. Mm. So obviously, you know, we're not, we're not all singing from the same mm. page, are mm. we really? Mm. So I explored ways of, of putting the, the lyrics into the clay and I made the sculptures as a book with verse one written in the book mm. of the clay, you know, mm. the clay. Mm. So this figure was actually sitting in the book or cold oh. in the book. So it became part of that. And then the lyrics started and the poetry started to become more and more written on the 
on the work that I made right. to try and that you know that actual process of imprinting something yeah you know sometimes we feel something so deeply it's very difficult to explain yeah um, yeah so it was that whole idea of pressing in the words yeah um, so you can touch the words and you could read it even if you yes. couldn't see yeah uh, so there was a, a kind of a sense of the word being in you and bursting out rather than the other way around yeah which I explored and again the making is connecting so if you're connecting to the the clay clay has a kind of a very visceral kind of quality to mm. it and so when you're molding a figure it's almost like um, oh i don't know the, the figures become alive mm. and then you can have a conversation so you're having a conversation mm. with that figure mm. that you've made mm. Mm. um so, so it's you become really close to the work that you're making um, and I, I mean, even in my thesis, I, you know, I said about the clay work that as the more birds that I made, because it was really important, I wanted the chorus to be singing. So as I made the birds and they came out of the kiln, they would fill up my shelf and I'd come in the studio in the morning and it would almost like they, they were all singing, mm. you know, or... Mm. Yeah. Perhaps they were. Perhaps, Perhaps they, they were. were. You know, sometimes metaphor touches the, the truth, doesn't yeah. it? Let's finish with this before we before we get into another uh, an, uh, uh, your second song. I I um, I've just finished writing a, a play and lucky enough to see it on. And I was talking to somebody about the process of writing, and I wonder whether it's similar to the process that you're going engaged with here. Uh, although writing, I I understand now, is key to it. And he said to me, "Well, when you're writing a play, you it's almost like you're." you're sculpting a face out of rock and you will reach a point where you feel oh there you are yeah. oh, i thought that was just beautiful i suspecting there's some of that here were you kind of stunned by or amazed or yeah. even frightened by some of the things that you that emerged yeah they do emerge they, it, it's very much like that and I think as well when you're in the moment with the clay or you know I'd be sculpting a nose or a face and it literally would be like oh hello mm. <laughs> you're there mm. you know or you'd get it to that point where you just think that's got that that's what I'm feeling I've managed to you know and it would take sometimes hours days because you can wrap the clay up and come back to it. Mm. Um, How strange that must be to wrap a half-formed face mm. up. Did you hear it resenting that moment? No, I think it was glad because if I hadn't, it would be dried <laughs> out by the time it would be, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I, I know yeah. that feeling, listeners. I do. I'm always very, very dried out. And, and just something that's just struck me now before we hear your, your next song is that the faces, of the, the human faces, all have their eyes shut. But the animals have their eyes open. Yeah. Is that, is that what's, to me, yeah. it doesn't matter what it is to, 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 to you or me. To, me, to me it reads, I mean, they're very beautiful. The faces are very beautiful and, and with the, their eyes closed, they're somehow made vulnerable, mysterious, seeing without opening their eyes. Mm. I think I felt very vulnerable during that time anyway but specifically the birds their their eyes got bigger and bigger and bigger and mm. that was because i wanted them to be i was reading about birds and the history of birds and i was reading how in some cultures they were thought that they could be the messengers the messengers right. of, of god or spirits and they had the ability to be able to go between the two worlds so right. they could bring you messengers so i you know the way you put coins on your eyes yes, to go yes, through from yes. one to another so that's yes. how the buttons if you like came the eyes got bigger on the birds because i oh, wanted them to signify that they were creatures that could come between two worlds also as well i thought that in some ways the birds in my garden were having a fuller life than me because they were in the moment the whole time they were they were just enjoying each moment and and i just thought there's so much i can learn from them they they probably have this you know they're excited or they're hungry or they're mm. and they're really feeling it all all the time so yeah. i i gave them a lot of weight and i whereas i think that you know as a human race 
a lot of the time we're just sort of, you know, maybe me, just scrabbling around in the dark a bit. <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with that. I'm always very suspicious of people who say, I've seen the light and, and it's over here. And you think, oh, dear me, I won't go there at all. So maybe you are this bird. Maybe we're all, uh, if we open our eyes, maybe we can all go from one world to another. And that's mm. such a powerful description, Lindsay. Should we hear another uh, one of your songs, if we, oh, if we may? Thank you. Thank you. I thought I'd play. It was difficult to choose, but I thought I'd play this song. Um, this came from... Um, I wasn't very well about 10 years ago and um, I had this um, diagnosis and um, a friend wrote to me and said, oh, there's an army of angels looking after you. And um, that's what the song is called, Army of Angels. Star is so tall I don't recognize myself at all Blue screen light, talk is cheap, oh, keep it real tonight. So hard to see in this world that wants your soulful keeps. Love a quiet love. Fairy tales do come true, here I am next to you. Sometimes it's just the other stuff. Standing here we face the truth Why walls blur, I lean on you Love our quiet love There's an army of angels watching over you Face that you can see when you are still Boat to take you home, take you back to shore And a anchor of love if you will Star is so tall I can't help but laugh at them all Keep those smiles rolling in There's a way to go on this forever repeating show I love a quiet love There's an army of angels watching over you A face that you can see when you are still a boat to take you home, take you back to shore And an army of love, if you will Close my eyes at night Love, love, love In my skin alone I feel together Reap what I have sown Love, love, love I will lie with you forever Star is so tall, leave them in the sky to burn and fall Let their empty words sail across the universe when you whisper in your sleep, diamonds form inside of me. We love a quiet love. There's an army of angels watching over you. A place that you can see when you are still. Boat to take you home, take you back to shore. And an anchor of love if you Wrapped inside you, human cocoon Following the beats of our hearts That says it all Every breath from great fall We love our quiet love Oh, I didn't want it to end. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank bravo, you very much. Bravo, well, well, that's very, uh, that's very, uh, that's very moving indeed. It's very, it's very uh, gosh, you're an extraordinarily talented person, if you don't mind my saying. I think, uh, God, that sounded a bit teacherly. I'm so sorry, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I... you are extremely talented. 
So, lindsaymorganwitting.co.uk is your website. Is there, are there any other places you'd like to mention that people can find your work, or is this the, that's the main that's the main hub, as it were? Opal Fine Art is going to be opening in Stratford on Avon, and I'm going to have some work in there. That's going to be a new gallery in Stratford. Pershaw oh. um, Art Gallery have got some of my work as well, and Hereford Arts there at the um, at the Art Centre. They um yeah they gave me an award so they've been yes, really amazing. Yes, you're very modest about. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I, I was going to mention that the Courtyard Creative Award winner. Yeah, so mm. my works at the Courtyard as well, um, and and I've just really been overwhelmed by how lovely everybody is. So wow. thank you. Wow, it's, it's, I don't know uh, what to say. Really. No, no, no. I'm sure you don't. I'm sure you don't. But I certainly want to hear your songs again. Thank you. Graham. And I hope you produce an album of them and. Uh, Thank we'll you. we'll feel encouraged and hopeful and uh, inspired as I have been today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lindsay. Well, I just think it's inspiring that you know you're making programs um, that we're all making and creating together. So thank you. And on that inspiring note, we pass now to somebody else extraordinarily talented, <laughs> Ali. Oh, I, then I suddenly thought, is he going to say Ali or is he going to say someone else? And I just <laughs> laughed in a really obvious, awkward way. <laughs> no, you're also very I, I feel very uncreative after that list. You sound like a, a one-stop shop for all one's artistic uh, needs. It's, it's, it's amazing. But I loved what you said about the fact that writing can, is an extension of drawing. Mm, I have mm, never thought mm, about it like mm, that. Mm. And I like writing. I'm not a device person. I like putting a pen on paper. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so I like the idea that actually when I'm doing that, I'm being artistic. Mm, I'm going to, mm, whenever I write my definitely. shopping list in the future, I'm going to view <laughs> it as a creation yes, yes, of it art. Yes, yes. And if I put it in the tape and called it 9174, <laughs> it probably would sell for <laughs> two and a half million pounds. Wow, yes. Um, <laughs> That's my plan for yes. 2024. There sounds, we are. Sounds good. But thank you very much for sharing your work thank with you. us. Do you have a favourite word? That's a very good question. Uh, mysterious. Oh, mm, that's mm, a very mm, good answer. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, well, as this is a celebratory um, show, I thought I would share a poem that I particularly like. I have uh, included it on a previous programme. I did a programme on Keats. Um, a few months ago um, so this is a poem by John Keats and I, I sort of was inspired to um, revisit it after this weekend I went to Oxford um, seat of you know literary mm. great literary endeavours uh, which wasn't at all why I went there but you know I, I love the city and I went on a walk around the grounds of Magdalen College I mean I went to the I went to the wrong university <laughs> I went to Brunel University which was one of the sets for a clockwork orange which tells you everything <laughs> you need to know about the aesthetics of that place <laughs> impressive but mm, not particularly delightful and I was walking around the college grounds and we happened upon a mill stream and the water was rushing down into the, the stream below. And we were just standing there looking down on it. And the sound was incredible. It's, it's you know, it just kind of shuts out all other noise and, and thoughts in a way, which I think can be really helpful. And I kind of noticed as I was looking at it, it's almost like when you look into a fire and you really look into the fire and you almost look, it's almost like you're looking at stills at lots of photographs like a freeze frame of each individual flame and I found myself looking at the water in this way and it was like picture after picture after picture after picture it was mesmerizing really and I've got a feeling that Keats might have had a similar feeling uh, about water in a different guise um, the sea but the same idea um, that it can block out all other thoughts um it can be violent it can be gentle but it's something that we return to um in some way because because we need it or we find we find something in it that is helpful um so this is a poem called on the sea it keeps eternal whisperings around desolate shores and with its mighty swell gluts twice ten thousand caverns till the spell of Hecate leaves them their old shadowy sound. Often tis in such gentle temper found that scarcely will the very smallest shell be moved for days from where it sometime fell, when last the winds of heaven were unbound. 
O ye who have your eyeballs vexed and tired, feast them upon the wideness of the sea. O ye whose ears are dinned with uproar rude, or fed too much with cloying melody, sit ye near some old cavern's mouth and brood, until ye start as if the sea nymphs quired. Wow. And I was amazed when I, when I looked into to Keats. I mean, I studied him at school, but frankly, I didn't remember a great deal from that time. Um, he was 25 when he died. So all of those poems he wrote, all of those things he felt and experienced, and he, he clearly experienced some quite challenging feelings during his life, were all, were all felt and experienced by that, by that very young age. Um, which, when I was at school, I thought he was really old. <laughs> uh, now I'm significantly older. I think, wow, he was a very young man. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, lo- I love that poem. And, and uh, it just, yes, it, I was reminded of it uh, this weekend, so I thought I would share that. Cat, we have we have local artists Cat and David in the room as well with us, and I believe Cat, you have written something specially for today. I have, but I'm going to let the listeners in gently, <laughs> and and just do a little non it first, if I may, Ali. You may, you may, Cat, you may. I'm sure everybody, it, it really has got nothing to do with celebrations. And yet, in a way, I suppose it has. Because at my writers' group, I was challenged to write a non it. Um, and another thing that we were supposed to be writing about was. I quote, the workshop was a place of grease, rust and sawdust. So I tried to include them. And I'm sure you all know what I'm rabbiting about saying a non it. I'm afraid I don't. No, I would love you to explain that. Oh, such ignorance. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Year, years of training, might I say. Um, the, right. only, the only non it I know is a nine piece jazz band. <laughs> now I know different. Well, you're getting close, David, because it is a poem of nine lines mm-hmm. with ever decreasing syllables in oh. each line well 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 i learned so if you can't count up to nine you're in trouble you're in trouble yes anyway with david's help i have christened this thing the diminishing ninth grease rust and sawdust well if you must <laughs> late father shed now put to bed a lifetime of work in murk, handmade with love and skill, all comers to thrill, fishing reel, creel, bagatelle, so swell, <laughs> well. Oh, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> so that was great. Thank you. It's a celebration of something, isn't it? Sawdust, greased and rust. Yes. <laughs> And that's the first nonette I think I've ever heard. Yes, so that's that's great. that's a celebration. That's isn't a celebration. It? It's a first. <laughs> right. Okay. The other one is called preferences, because we were supposed to be doing favourites. I think Peter. Is right. a celebrationary favourites. Yeah. Right. Yes. Well, this is a favourites. Favourites. My favourites are very numerous. Some serious. Others quite humorous. My man comes first, he makes me bursty. We've a love so great, my true soulmate. My special flower is a rose, yellow in colour with a nose. I love to eat crisp Venus schnitt with salad mm. and an egg on it. <laughs> <laughs> Champagne to drink and wine so dry and thrown in sometimes. Martini. <laughs> I visited my most adored country, Oz, no doubt. I visited plenty and wandered about. Islands surrounding trains left, right and centre, with true Aussie mites most times as my mentor. Green is my colour of choice, I declare, with screaming bright purple to act as a spare. 
I'm rattling on and boring you silly. Okay, I'll shut up and go sit somewhere hilly. <laughs> Last but not least, welcome radios of feast. My very fave station in the whole blooming nation. Bravo. Oh, Bravo. Great. <laughs> Somebody's angling to be uh, given a return invitation. <laughs> I, think, I, I think that's a given uh, after, after that burst of creativity. Thank you very much, Kat. That that's okay. Um, I'll, I'll now dump it in the lap of David. See what a mess you can make of it, darling. <laughs> They have met. Uh, it's not just a random outbreak of well, niceness. Well, I'll, 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 I'll play down to that introduction. I have a piece of prose. It's a very short extract from a novel <coughs> entitled The Book of Illusions by Paul Oster. Oster, uh, an American writer. And this is about words encapsulating mm. images where words are actually subordinated. One of the characters in this novel is a comedian of silent cinema from South America who arrives in Hollywood just as the talkies are about to render silent cinema obsolete and with almost undue haste. Uh, you could say that's uh, an irony that um, that catastrophic that catastrophic timing is a very skill upon which this craft depends. So this could be seen as an elegy for a lost art form, but I think it can also be taken as celebrating one which had universal appeal and an immediacy of recognition free of the need for explanation or a filter of translation. Mm. Before the body there is the face, and before the face there is the thin black line between Hector's nose and upper lip. A twitching filament of anxieties, a metaphysical jump rope, a dancing thread of discombobulation, the moustache is a seismograph of Hector's inner states. And not only does it make you laugh, it tells you what Hector is thinking, actually allows you into the machinery of his thoughts. Other elements are involved, the eyes, the mouth, the finely calibrated lurches and stumbles, but the moustache is the instrument of communication, and even though it speaks a language without words, its wriggles and flutters are as clear and comprehensible as a message tapped out in Morse code. None of this would be possible without the intervention of the camera. The intimacy of the talking moustache is a creation of the lens. At various moments in each of Hector's films, the angle suddenly changes and a wide or medium shot is replaced by a close-up. Hector's face fills the screen, and with all references to the environment eliminated, the moustache becomes the centre of the world. It begins to move, and because Hector's skill is such that he can control the muscles in the rest of his face, the moustache appears to be moving on its own, like a small animal with an independent consciousness and will. The mouth curls a bit at the corners, the nostrils flare ever so slightly, but as the moustache goes through its antic gyrations, the face is essentially still, and in that stillness one sees oneself as if in a mirror. For it is during those moments that Hector is most fully and convincingly human, a reflection of what we all are when we're alone inside ourselves. These close-up sequences are reserved for the critical passages of a story, the junctures of greatest tension or surprise, and they never last longer than four or five seconds. When they occur, everything else stops. The moustache launches into its soliloquy, and for those few precious moments, action gives way to thought. We can read the content of Hector's mind as though it were spelled out in letters across the screen, and before those letters vanish, they are no less visible than a building, a piano, or a pie in the face. 
Add in the slicked back hair and the ever-present white suit and the result is an unmistakable blend of dash and decorum. Such is the code of images. The meanings are understood at a single glance and because one thing inevitably follows from another in this booby-trapped universe of missing manhole covers and exploding cigars, the moment you see a man walking down the street in a white suit, you know that suit is going to get him into trouble. Thank you so much. I don't think, uh, well, I certainly didn't expect this afternoon to be listening to a piece of prose about the antic gyrations of a talking moustache. <laughs> ah, that is something that will well, stay with me. It's an afternoon of firsts. <laughs> it, it is, and perhaps not lasts. Um, and that was from, what was that from? The Book of Illusions. The Illusion. Book of Illusions by Paul Oster. Paul Oster. Yeah. Fabulous. And so. I think on that note, we will go to a piece of music called Ha Ha Said the Clown. Well, that was an appropriate song for a pie in the face, ha ha, said the clown. And that was by Manfred Mann. And um, thank you very much, Kat and David, for your words and your song choice as well. And now we're going to have a poem from Graham. Yes, we can do, but Manfred Mann is my, uh, I must lay claim to that uh, song's uh, inclusion in our show today. As it celebrates uh, my mum and dad, actually, if, if, if I may be so bold. They bought me that. They must have been secret groovers. <laughs> <laughs> they were very polite and respectable people, but they bought me that record for my very first record player ever in wow. 19... It would have been about 1970. Anyway, enough of climbing ever backwards into the sands of time. Yes, ha-ha-said the clown. Well, now, also on the theme of uh, celebration, this this poem... I, well, I'm ashamed to say, uh, dear, dear listener, that uh, I wrote this this, this one. Uh, and I'm ashamed only in the, by virtue of the fact that I'm in the company of much greater artists than myself. But I say that also because, you know, isn't it lovely when we can write something ourselves and not worry about what people think, you know, and just share it, like... You know, uh, we're all of us just, we're all of us Neolithic people with iPhones, aren't we? We're all gathered around the campfire, 
wondering what it's about and seeking warmth where we where we can find it and uh talking of which my partner and i went out on a, a walk up the iron fort hill just south of quinton and it's the most amazing and beautiful walk and uh, there are all kinds of paths you can follow some of which you're allowed to follow and some of which you're not and of course they're the more interesting ones and that's that's one of the ones that we followed and this poem is about is about that that journey really and is called Iron Fort. We lean on the metal gate, a hill. But there, struggling up, crying through iron, children turn on claws of thorn. No hiding place but hands deep in the sheer slope, bone open, looking to one another. What is this? What is this? Defending the earth from other children who were told by their old men they must fall as leaves without complaint or tear from earth to grass to flesh to earth a corridor of trees too straight to have fallen from the wind unknots the sunlight and hands it to the leaves we dare not go down it for some reason it's beyond, still, unreal, although fed by the same roots as us. We sit in the shade of a tree. Here, summer is in just this one place, while all around is autumn. Our tree's hands reach out across the ground. Under its feet, hollows, tunnels, hide kingdoms of the last songs. They lull to sleep the keepers of this fort, wrapped in the arms of hazel, rowan, oak. Sky ice drives us off the hill. A wire takes a beat or two from our hearts. Ahead, the ground flies away. And from a time when all stories were true, there on the horizon, giants' shadows loom, afraid to be seen, but impossible to hide. Yes, a walk I recommend, because it's, a, it's, um, it's the most beautiful journey into the past as well as anything else, you know, when you're in these old places. You have a sense that they never really went away, don't you? You know, when you when you're up there. So atmospheric. It was very evocative. Oh well, it's a very atmospheric place. Do you know? Do you know the one I'm talking about? That walk up up. Uh, no. You I know it, Peter? Yeah. I know the area. Remind us where it is. It's uh, uh, you, Peter. What's it called? That hill fort. We'll put it on the website, but. Me on hill. Me on hill. Me on yes. Hill. yes. And intriguingly, I shouldn't say this on the air, but when you get to the very, very top, there is a very significant means of preventing you getting onto the top. But you can. If by accident, you wouldn't do it deliberately, of course. Or if you know the farmer. Mm. Well, there's an intriguing thing. <laughs> I'd sense if you, were, if you were reading that poetry, that poem... Um, to a backdrop of images that you would have somebody doing that walk but there would be other ghostly figures walking alongside you or or away from you past you yes because you sense you sense those people and on a film you can indicate them as well as the person yes Yes, yeah. there's a theory, isn't there, that I read about the other day called block time, I think, I would, which I can't possibly uh, uh, um, describe adequately, but it is a, it, uh, the gist of it is that every single moment of every single time in history is happening now. And on that bombshell... Yes, it's going to take a few Ali. <laughs> minutes for my brain to um, process that. Or perhaps I won't. I won't start, and um, and just accept and allow. Thank you very much for that. That was beautiful. Um, this will be the last poem of this uh, show before we go to um, a piece of music, which will play us out. 
Um, and appropriately, uh, this is a celebratory poem um, about love. It's actually a very, very famous poem, and I slightly balked at reading it out because it's so famous that we almost don't listen to the words anymore. Um, but I think it's um, it's kind of nice sometimes to to really try and listen to to the words of something that we think we know and, and hear it perhaps in a in, in a new way. It is because it's me. We couldn't do a show without some Shakespeare in it somewhere. Um, so <laughs> it is sonnet number eighteen, the famous "Shall I Compare Thee to a Summer's Day" by by William Shakespeare. Just the, the book that I have this in is actually a fantastic book uh, edited by Paul Edmondson and Stanley Wells, mm. um, who are very local. And um, what they do in this book is at the bottom of each sonnet is they give you a one-line summary of what it's about, um, which is very helpful, I think. This is, my poetry turns you into an eternal summer in which you will be forever beautiful, which is really very lovely. So um, if you've heard this before and you think uh, you know it or you're bored of it, um, just try and hear something in it that you perhaps haven't, haven't heard before. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Rough winds do shake the darling buds of May, and summer's lease hath all too short a date. Sometime too hot the eye of heaven shines, and often is his gold complexion dimmed, and every fair from fair sometime declines, by chance or nature's changing course untrimmed. But thy eternal summer shall not fade, nor lose possession of that fair thou owest, nor shall death brag thou wanderst in his shade, when in eternal lines to time thou growest. So long as men can breathe, or eyes can see, so long lives this, and this gives life to thee. Wow. Beautiful. Mm. Beautifully read. Oh, well, thank you. I had some good material to work with. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much to all of the guests we've had in today, um, Lindsay, Kat and David. Um, Thanks, as always, to Peter for um, for doing all of the very important technical things that none of the rest of us really know anything about. On the poop deck. (laughs) On the poop deck. I'm not sure about that, Graham. Really not sure. Kat likes it. Okay, we'll have a a poll and see if we're going to... Peter on the poop deck. This might be a new spin-off show. Um, we'll we'll have a little we'll do a Google poll and, and other polls are available on other platforms and uh, see if anybody wishes to <laughs> wishes to kickstart this. Just to play us out, uh, it would be I think we'll we'll go for a little bit of a, a piece of music. This is um, Tubular Bells. Similarly to to Keats, found out today that Mike Oldfield, who who wrote Tubular Bells, uh, was actually nineteen when it was recorded. Wow. Which is I mean you know it makes me feel like I had achieved absolutely nothing in my life uh, by the by that point and possibly any point since. Um, But thank you to Graham for for, for co-hosting, and thank you for listening in, and this is Tubular Bells.